Our healthcare system is not geared toward prevention, but what if it were? Well, an eye-opening study says 100,000 lives could be saved each year. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey is here with the story. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Dr. Eduardo Sanchez is chairman of the National Commission on Prevention Priorities, which is a blue-ribbon panel convened by the Partnership for Prevention to guide the study. He's also director of the Institute for Health Policy at the University of Texas School of Public Health at Houston. Dr. Sanchez, welcome to InfoTrack. Pleased to be here. Well, I'm sure the question on all of our listeners' minds is, what are these five things that could save 100,000 lives? Well, let's talk about them. If all Americans who were doing these things according to instruction from their doctors better than what we are doing now, and the blame doesn't lie solely with patients, the blame lies with physicians, patients, and systems, we would do a better job. So the five, if those of us who had the indication were taking aspirin daily to prevent heart disease, we could prevent 45,000 deaths. That's an astounding number. It is, and the numbers will get lower, but when added up, we're talking about a significant opportunity. If more of us were counseled by our physicians to quit smoking, we could save an additional 42,000 lives. If more of us were up to date with our screening for colorectal cancer, we could save 14,000 lives. If more of us who ought to be immunized to protect us from flu 12,000 additional lives could be saved. And if more women who were receiving the appropriate counseling and then the appropriate screening for breast cancer were getting that, 3,700 additional lives would be saved. So do the math. It's actually more than 100,000 lives. 100,000 is easier to remember than the exact number that this would add up to. You mentioned taking aspirin right now. Less than half of Americans who should be taking aspirin daily to prevent heart disease are doing so. Who is an appropriate patient to be doing that? Appropriate patients that doctors ought to be talking to men over age 40, women over age 50, and discussing what might be some reasons that would add to and or reasons why not to. If someone has a history of sensitivity to aspirin, obviously that's not a good idea to be taking it every day. If you're somebody who for some reason has had what we call GI bleeds, some sort of gastrointestinal bleeding event, it might not be a good idea to be on aspirin. On the other hand, if you're younger than either of those ages and have actually had a cardiovascular event that is a heart attack and or a stroke, or you have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes or type 1 diabetes for that matter, it may be very wise for your doctor to be talking to you about aspirin on a daily basis because you have some additional risk factors. The point is those conversations aren't necessarily being had and they need to be had. And this isn't for all Americans and this isn't advice for people to just go out and buy themselves aspirin and start taking it. It's advice to have the conversation with your physician and advice to the physician to have that conversation with their patients. But what's amazing about that particular recommendation is that it is literally pennies a day or even less and could save a significant number of lives. Pennies a day and less. And, you know, the lives are meant to represent what actually would be less heart attacks 
and less strokes. So there's that which doesn't necessarily kill you, but does in fact add significant amounts of money to the cost of medical care and the result, which for some who maybe don't die because they have heart attacks or stroke, end up with disability or a less than optimal quality life. You mentioned the importance of flu shots. That's one of the other recommendations. And only a little over a third of adults who are eligible or recommended to get them are doing so. Talk about that. Who is eligible and talk about the importance of flu shots. We are moving more and more to a comprehensive recommendation for flu vaccine. But traditionally, we talked about high-risk populations. Obviously, people over 65, kind of a no-brainer children, kind of a no-brainer, and then those who have chronic diseases, whether they be diabetes, diseases like HIV AIDS, or having been diagnosed and treated for cancer. But more and more, we are generalizing our recommendation and saying that, frankly, at the very least, adults over 50, and we are going to move towards a universal recommendation, people ought to be getting vaccinated against the flu. It kills, we estimate, 36,000 people a year. But again, just like I was saying with the heart disease, that is but the tip of the iceberg. There are thousands who become infected, thousands who are bedridden for days, thousands who infect other thousands, and a fair amount of that could be diminished and or prevented with better flu vaccination. And the other two recommendations on your report are related to cancer. That is, less than half of Americans older than 50 get screened for colon cancer, and only two-thirds of women older than 40 are screened for cancer in general every two years. Just for a moment, maybe you can touch quickly on the importance of cancer screening. Cancer is one of those things that we know can be prevented in some instances, but in those instances where it can't be prevented, screening and early detection are the very best protection. And it reminds us that the earlier we can find it, if it's got to happen, let's find it as soon as we can and let's eradicate it. Because the eradication of cancer rate, once it's been discovered, is very, very high, very, very early, and it goes down as that cancer has the opportunity to progress So the opportunity is there to make a difference. Your organization, the Partnership for Prevention, believes that lawmakers have a role in making prevention a cornerstone in the U.S. healthcare system. Maybe you can explain what needs to be done from a legislative standpoint. If one were to look at where we as a nation spend our resources, whether they be public sector resources through government programs or even to a large degree private sector resources through our insurance-based programs, we spend a lot of money treating things after they happen. And in fact, we pay doctors and we pay the medical care system to take care of things after they happen. Lawmakers are not necessarily investing in prevention to the degree that we would get tremendous return on the investment, tremendous value for that health system dollar. Very good information. Dr. Eduardo Sanchez from the Partnership for Prevention. Where can people find a copy of your report online? The easiest thing is to Google the words Partnership for Prevention. You'll get to our site. Dr. Sanchez, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Very much appreciated. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.